0: From the high desert and Far East, West, Texas, this is the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with at Sports TV Ratings. Hi, I'm your host, Robert Seidman, also at Sports TV Ratings on Twitter. And joining me on the high desert hotline for this podcast is Oriana Schwint. And she's at Schwinter, S-C-H-W-I-N-D-T-E-R on Twitter. And uh, for most of the last five years, Oriana has been a TV and technology reporter and one of the best for the likes of uh, TV Guide Magazine, the International Business Times, The Wrap, and Variety. But this year, she's given up the TV beat for Centerville, USA, a project where she's heading to the cities and towns closest to the geographic center of each state. Oriana, welcome to the World's Fastest scoring Sports Media Podcast with that sports TV ratings.
1: It is an honor and a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, thanks. Definitely thanks for joining me. Um, so before we get to Centerville, USA... Um, how did how did you wind up as a TV reporter? And if you could take me, sort of up to the time you were you were writing about TV for TV Guide magazine, and uh, then then we'll stop and 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 talk some more.
1: Yeah, no, I I had wanted to be, I had wanted to write about TV since I was I don't know like fifteen, I think. I uh, I found Television Without Pity online and loved it. And that was actually how I first started to learn about ratings, TV ratings. Was uh, the boards at Television Without Pity? Because we would all, you know, I liked a lot of shows that were mostly low-rated at the time. You know, I remember Angel was one of my favorite shows, and it was, you know, it was doing like 5.4 million viewers. Oh boy, got a on the bubble there. Uh, <laughs> right. This was, you know, a different time. Um,
0: oh yeah, that. So you're talking like <laughs> 2000, 2005. That's like that's cancellationville.
1: Oh yeah. Well, this was. Um, I this was. Ah, God, 2002, 2003 roundabouts. So yeah, this was. Man, that was uh, Bubbleville for sure. And uh, but so I, I really, I, I loved it, and I, you know, I structured the entire rest of my high school career around getting into journalism school. And I did, I went to Northwestern and I, uh, you know, I learned like how to report on things that matter there. (laughs) Not that TV doesn't matter, but, but, uh, you know, I, I did sort of in depth reporting on, you know, uh, the Illinois moratorium on the death penalty and stuff, but I always gravitated towards the TV stuff. Um, and uh you know after college i i i i graduated in 2008 and uh interned at business week and entertainment weekly and i thought i thought okay this is it this is happening and then uh the financial crash happened and yeah. you know everyone was laying everyone off and so i took a detour into I worked I did marketing for a consulting firm for a couple years um luckily I had friends who worked at tv guide magazine and they would bring me as their plus ones to places and uh you know I met some editors and they liked me and I I don't I to this day I don't know how I charmed my way in but they hired me uh and it was great um I finally got to use because I had been this whole time I had been following ratings and the business and obsessing over all of it, and so I finally got to put it to use um,
0: so so one one question around that, and uh, we'll probably just go all over the place here um, so you're definitely a fan you know as a you're a fan of t v um, and and you you have your shows that you love, but there's definitely you turn that you turn that part of your brain off when you write about TV ratings can can you just talk about a little bit about how you do that uh, when you're when you're thinking about the context of the ratings not thinking about how much you like or dislike a particular show
1: yeah it's interesting I guess it's sort of the standard compartmentalization I don't I don't know when or where I learned it um, it just kind of came naturally you knew well I mean I think it goes back to, honestly, like the television without pity boards is, is you, you learn TV is a business. Um, and whether you agree that art should be made into this kind of, uh, you know, very merciless business or not, it, that's what it is. Um, and, uh, so you just, you compartmentalize and honestly, actually one of the reasons this is sort of jumping ahead, but I started to hate TV. (laughs) Uh, I honestly started to really, really hate television uh, towards the end of my tenure. uh, The
0: the television itself or the business of television?
1: Both. uh, I actually, it became even to watch shows that I really loved, like the Americans. Uh, I love the Americans. I think it's one of the best shows on television. I wasn't, like I was so burned out on all of television that I I'm like, I I think I only watched the first episode of this season and I, I, I will go back. I will watch it at some point, but
0: uh, it, it, it's funny. I, I had the same trajectory with uh, the Americans this season. I watched one and then I didn't watch it for like seven weeks. And yeah. then I, then I benched like six of them though. They're very good. So you won't, oh, you won't be disappointed. Sure. um So you were at. TV Guide Magazine until I think around 2012. Is that right? Uh,
1: I started in 2012. I was there for three and a half years, um, and then I met the wonderful Michael Learmont, who was my editor at uh, the International Business Times, um, and he hired me to write about because it, it TV Guide Magazine. It's you know it's a consumer oriented magazine. I was mostly right. I wasn't writing. I would occasionally do businessy pieces um but it wasn't it it, and I I wanted to do more and so I uh you know jumped and went to IBT (laughs) the uh you know owned by a cult uh for legal purposes it's not actually owned by a cult let's I don't want to get you sued but uh um, but it was actually it was great. It was so great. I got to write whatever I wanted, um, basically. Yeah. Like and and no one no one like it didn't matter if publicists called me and were mad about something I wrote. I mean, people yeah. mostly ignored me. But
0: yeah, so this is something that I definitely noticed, and I don't think we've ever talked about it. And I'm I'm definitely not throwing daggers at uh, at Mike Schneider. But it seemed to me like once you joined IBT you were uh, you were taken off the leash. And I don't know if that's just because it was the business side of things or that's just how Learmonth rolls or what the deal was. But it was like, wow, where did she come from?
1: It totally – it's one of the – like I, I love Mike Schneider. I really do. Um, uh, but, yeah, they – well, it was – it's one of those things where – They were – like, at IBT, they had no prior relationships with the networks. They didn't have – we didn't care about, you know, big gets for talent or even executives. I mean, you know, I would always try. and, But, but, you know, we were much very – we were very much of the mind that, like, we are not beholden to these people in any way, so we're going to – and, you know, I did write very – I wrote a very complimentary piece about CBS and how they've positioned themselves perfectly for a sort of – for for the world in which uh, – a world in which people don't watch television the way they used to. Um, you know, so I didn't spend my whole time ripping everyone to shreds, but I don't know. I got to find – I got to position myself as a person who kept people – maybe slightly more honest, um, which was great.
0: Yeah. So for for me, I guess the, the way that uh, the way that I looked at it was, uh, wow, she has all the same issues with uh, how how uh, TV media deals with uh, yep. re- reporting. And uh, she's just attacking on all of those fronts. And I hadn't seen anything like it. Um, and uh, for what's worth, I, I agree with you on CBS. In fact, I think that uh, that, you know, that's 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 who ESPN should be looking at as Mm -hmm. as people think you're not going to last. You know, there's not 20 more years to milk out of this. And uh, I think CBS shows there's 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 definitely still water in the well.
1: Absolutely. Um, And, you know, I it's it's interesting because I like personally am like very anti-big business, very, uh, you know, I think corporations need much more regulation, all that sort of thing. And yet I, I you know, I had to kind of turn, I had to compartmentalize, uh you know, when writing about these giant corporations that, you know, they don't need good press. They don't need, you know, they don't need you to treat every, little thing that they do is big news. Um, but that was, it was, I'm, it was an okay time to do that because the world had not completely fallen into such uh, chaos and, and ugliness as it currently is, I guess.
0: Um, uh, well, we're going to hold off on the ugliness. Yes. We have more TV stuff before we, we get to Centerville USA. Uh, so, so you joined, ibt and Mm -hmm. uh you were there for what like a year before the the layoffs hit
1: not even eight months so i didn't get i didn't get any severance um no and they did it on june 30th so we're just shy of a year um so that uh your insurance was done like the next day you didn't have any kind of health insurance except for I I think I was eligible for COBRA, but as we all know, COBRA is almost worse than not having insurance. Well, it's, it's, it's it's, it's
0: very expensive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for those who don't know, if you are, if you are self-employed and therefore self-insured, um, especially depending on where you live, it's very, very pricey versus, uh, you know, having a job that, uh, includes insurance.
1: Absolutely. And this is why, uh, I encourage all, uh, media shops, digital and otherwise, to unionize. Because if we, like we saw with the Huffington Post layoffs, like if IBT had been unionized, I might have been able to get like a week of severance or something. Um, or at least, yeah, I just, I wouldn't have been out on my ass as hard <laughs> as I was. I mean, I, I, luckily I recovered very, fairly quickly. I had people, you know, offering me freelance work. God knows why. But, uh, you know, within I was we were actually in (laughs) we were getting fired. They did it like they called my team in and did us all at once. We were in the middle of doing that. And my phone was next to me on the table. And Cynthia Littleton at Variety was calling me because I had texted (laughs) that we were getting laid off. So, you know, I, I got lucky. Um, so
0: so, do I remember right? You had a, a brief stint at the RAP before I did. landing at Variety?
1: I did. Variety couldn't hire me full-time, and the RAP could. And you always go, as you know, you always go with a full-time job. Um, and I learned a lot at the RAP in the six weeks that I was there. Um,
0: <laughs> uh, well, you, you lasted – I think longer than six weeks of variety or am I wrong about that too? Yes.
1: No, no. That that was um that was I think six months before um I was like, you know what, I gotta my my whole life has has led up to getting this job essentially. That was that was the end game was you know getting I, getting to write about ratings for variety. Like that's the stuff that I read for more that for like thirteen Fourteen years it's amazing I,
0: I hear you and I was very very happy while you were you were at variety as the ratings reporter and so I was very very selfishly disappointed uh <laughs> when you uh you 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 cashed all that in to do centerville u s a so so talk about the uh origins of the project that you're working on now and uh and how you got from Variety to – well, I know you're – you are I think you're in Florida right now, but uh, traveling through the United States uh, to find the uh, geographic centers of each state.
1: Yeah. I, um, I actually I, – I quit my job or I let my lovely – I love the people at Variety. They're very good people. Um, I would, like it had nothing to do with them and everything to do with – I got to a point in my life where I realized – what I was doing no longer held meaning for me. That doesn't mean it's, you know, a bad job or like people shouldn't write about it. Um, I don't want to say that at all, but I, uh, especially after the election, I kind of just downward spiraled. I've already, I've, I've suffered from um, depression, like my whole life and it just got really, really bad. And um, I was like, I, I need to do something else. This isn't, you know, I have achieved all that I wanted to in my life. And I'm still miserable. <laughs> so what am I going to do about this? And so I was like, well, what's stopping you from literally just quitting your job, going to the opposite coast, I moved to Portland, Oregon for a couple months. Um, and, you know, taking a little time to figure out Uh, what you want to do to, I don't know, make the world a better place or, or do something that feels like it has meaning again. And, uh, it was funny. I was actually, I was having a conversation with our mutual friend, Anthony Krupe, where he was like, what are you, what are you going to (laughs) do? Um, and, uh, I was like, you know, there's so much about this country that I just don't know. I have never seen the Rocky Mountains in person. I've ne- I had never been to the Pacific Northwest and uh you know, the 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 breadth of the anchor that I had seen in the me- in you know, me- media reports um it 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 didn't startle me, but it just I wanted to learn more about it, but I also felt that all these people going very specifically to Trump country, quote, unquote, Um, that's not the whole story. Uh, Hillary Clinton still did win the popular vote. So and there's all these, you know, Portland is is an island of blue and a sea of red in Oregon, essentially, Um, you know, you see all the and so it really started to bother me that we paint these states in shades and two primary shades and that's it that it just doesn't tell the whole story. And so I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I want to go to every state, um, you know, sort of do like a Sufjan Sufjan Stevens was supposed to do an album for every state. Um, but, uh, I I wanted to do something like that, but I also didn't want to specifically go to small towns because, Hey, God love a small town, but that is not how most people in America live. Right. So, Um, I hit upon, I had, I had been rereading American gods. And in that book, they go to the center of, um, the United States, which is in Kansas. And I was like, you know what, the geographic center of states sounds like an interest, and the U S geological survey has already done all the work for me. They have found the geographic center of every state. So, um, where,
0: where is it for Albuquerque? Or excuse uh, me, for New Mexico.
1: For New Mexico, it's um, Willard.
0: Have you been there Will- yet?
1: No, I'm saving the Southwest for sort of winter time, like oh. November, December ish.
0: Gotcha. No. Let me let me know when you're when you're hitting New Mexico.
1: Hell's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Well, it's funny because some of these towns, like like Willard uh, and then Lander, Wyoming, are actually very far from the actual geographic center, but they're the only places where anyone lives anywhere anywhere near um so i don't i don't necessarily hit the exact geographic center of every place um just because i don't know i like in some places it's dangerous uh or unmarked um and uh but yeah and it's been uh it's been harder than i thought but also uh really, really interesting.
0: Um, So I've been, uh, I have, I have been reading the, uh, the dispatches and uh, it it is, it's very interesting, but can you describe uh, for, for people who who haven't uh, read any of this yet, what is the essence of what you're going for when, uh, when you get to one of these places? What, what are you, what are you, what are you hoping, what are you hoping to capture?
1: I'm trying to find what is and is not typical in these places. So like I went to Fairbanks and I saw that they have a synagogue. Like there's there's it's the northernmost Jewish congregation I think in the world. It's like, you know, 140 miles south of the Arctic Circle. So I'm 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 looking for because you want you want what's typical. You want to see how you know, the majority of people think what their stance is on certain topics or just how their their daily lives, what are their hopes and dreams and what 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 does keep them up at night? Is it terrorism or, you know, paying the mortgage? Uh, in most cases, it's really paying the mortgage. Um, but it's and but I also I don't it particularly in the smaller towns, I don't ever want to. I don't want to condescend, but I also don't want to let people off the hook for having sort of backwards ignorant ideas uh if that right. makes sense um, it's a balancing act
0: so so far you've covered uh a couple of places in the northwest plus Alaska, and now you're hitting uh some east coast uh states what's what's been the biggest surprise so far that you didn't you know when you started you didn't see that coming kind of thing
1: um i did not see how uh personally dangerous this thing would be i uh i guess i have i don't know i lived in new york for almost a decade and i never truly physically I, I was never terrified for long periods of time about my own physical safety. I just, I don't know. I, I, I'm a small person. I, none of you can see me, but I'm like five feet tall, um, fairly compact, uh, think of like a gymnast essentially. Um, and I just, I, I, I don't know. I just never considered that the mere fact of my existence would be interpreted by, men and even women, particularly in the rural South, um, that, that my existence would be interpreted as an invitation to do whatever they feel like doing. Um, wow. That, to me, like, you know it exists, but I also, for some reason, felt that my status as a reporter, a journalist, an observer protected me somehow. And that's, that's not, I don't know why I thought that. Um, some sort of privilege, I, I'm sure, but it totally—I uh, I had no idea that that I was actually—I am risking my personal person it, just by showing up to some places. Uh, there's places that I can't go. Um, a person in uh, Sanford, North Carolina, was like, "Oh, okay. Well, y- you are—you really should not go to these." bars. Um, and I was like, okay, so that limits, I can go to this one place, um, right. without fear of being, you know. S-
0: so does that have you rethinking, uh, how you're going to go about doing the, uh, the rest of the States or you, you, are you, are you just still sorting that out?
1: I, I actually have rethought I'm, uh, certain places, areas where I think, have a high concentration of people who think that a small woman traveling alone is, uh, sort of, you know, asking for a free for all, uh, behavior wise. Uh, I'll be spending less time. I won't skip them. I won't skip them entirely, but I will be spending less
0: time there. Um, You need need to, you need to figure out how to drag croupie along as an enforcer.
1: I I I think he might actually accompany on like like company me to like New York uh, or something. Um I know I feel <laughs> I need I thought about getting a dog or something, but uh that's mean for a dog to to lug them around in a car all the time and uh but uh it is also astonishing how many people have told me I need to start carrying a gun. Uh <laughs> Yeah. um uh, uh, those
0: those are the the natives in the places you're visiting or, or friends yeah. and family
1: De- mostly mostly the people that I had told about this are like well you know you get yourself a concealed weapons permit and I was like oh that's I don't really have time to do um I mean, because I'm you know I'm gonna yeah, be state by state Portland, it's state by state and uh so it's way to because of like you know you can buy a gun but it's not going to do me any good if I don't have it on me. Yeah,
0: maybe you need, maybe you need to do something like buy numchucks or something like that.
1: <laughs> I have I have pepper spray uh, now. I have very I I my poor parents. I also didn't expect the toll that it, this would take on them in terms of just worrying about their uh, oldest daughter for ah. like you know, 10 months.
0: I'm not not surprised you, you are actually getting into uh, some of the circumstances based, based on the reading so far, you're getting into circumstances. uh, I wouldn't feel comfortable getting into alone uh, as a man. So, so I am not surprised to hear your parents are very worried. I
1: actually, it's funny. I was thinking about this last night because I am like, well, this is like a woman thing, but there are a lot of, Men, like, I'm picturing, a, uh, you know, your typical Brooklyn hipstery reporter guy, uh, going to the middle of North Dakota. A lot of, you know, uh, oil drilling sort of roughneck guys. Um, I'm, I'm, I was imagining, you know, someone like that going into a bar and definitely not getting his ass kicked, but, but definitely not feeling welcome, uh, at a place like that. Um, so it is like, you know, gender is a large part of it, but yeah, there's also just a type of person that is perhaps less welcome. It's weird though. I, I, you know, Fairbanks is actually a fairly dangerous city for, for women. They have an extraordinarily high rate of rape, um, and other violent crimes. Domestic violence is a big problem. Um, but I didn't, Maybe it was because the sun was up for twenty hours at a time, but uh, I never actually felt unsafe at all. The people were really great uh, and interesting. Um, even the kind of uh, uh, slightly weirder people that uh, I met while riding the bus uh, around Fairbanks—you know—they were none of them were a danger. Um, but then, when I as soon as I got to the south. There, you know, I did Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina. And there was just sort of a, an almost blanket hostility um, buried beneath, of course, the outward appearance of um, Southern hospitality. Um, this, the, I, I'm going to spoil the story I wrote, um, I'm writing on Columbia, which was the South Carolina, the state capital. Um, but, uh, one of the, uh, uh, I was sitting next to a couple, uh, black guys at a bar and they, who were awesome. And they, one of them was like, you know what, just, you know, don't trust the sweet tea. Um, which is sort of a, a good, a good piece of advice, uh, while, while going through the South. Um, yeah, it was, uh,
0: and, and when they said, don't trust the, the sweet tea, they meant that how?
1: Uh, yeah, it works on a few levels, um, but primarily it means that, you know, on the outside, they're all sweet, but they'll cut you at a moment's notice. They'll, you know, it's it's a veneer um, that masks, that occasionally masks ugliness. And now this is not everyone, but there are people who... Um, outwardly seem very sweet very nice very welcoming um but then you know you tell them about how you this guy was 100% trying to not kidnap you but lure you to his home um to for untoward reasons uh and that you know, they'll tell you. Well, you were wearing a V-neck shirt, so you can, what did you expect?
0: Like just, uh, just a just a regular. I I think like I saw the, the saw the picture. Just a regular just V-neck a regular T-shirt. t-shirt.
1: Uh, and uh, you know, so so and which and the that attitude in particular is insane to me for many reasons. But she also followed it up with, you know, I used to work in a psych a psychiatric hospital and if you didn't want to rile up the inmates you you would cover up and right. I was like are we really treating regular people as inmates in a like are are all men to be treated as uh inmates in a psychiatric uh or patients sorry that's for patients in a psychiatric hospital that's that does men a, a terrible disservice like what, how, how terribly low an opinion, uh, to have of men in general. Um, it's, uh, yeah, yep. it was a huge bummer. It was a huge bummer.
0: Yeah. I, th- I think, I think to some degree, the reputation is earned. I, I, you know, maybe just as a result of being old, uh, I, I can, I can understand that sentiment also though, um, you know, if the last six months have taught me anything it's that, I liked veneer even if it was fake. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. miss I kind of miss veneer.
1: It's true. It's true. yeah, because there are, and I haven't encountered many outward like um I stayed with a person in Sanford North Carolina who was a he had voted for Donald Trump um in order to sort of uh is a sort of like fuck you to everyone in the system and, and whatnot. Uh, and he, it was interesting cause we had many, we had many long conversations, um, and we were able to find some common ground. Um, but there, there, there is sort of this refusal to accept that particularly in, you know, areas that are very, still very racially charged. Um, there, there's lots of racial tension. Um, you know, this refusal to accept that, like, you know, we do learn history from a white perspective, uh, a white European perspective. And um, it, it's it's really interesting. Even You know, people who have black best friends, just they don't see the need for black history clubs. Um, I, you know and you try and explain and then they go, "Oh, I can't talk to you when you, if you're saying stuff like that." And you go, "Okay, all right. <laughs> Let's
0: try another tack. Let's um.
1: that,
0: that's more civil than a lot of stuff I see on Twitter.
1: See, that's that's I and you know what? I I have started doing this on Facebook too is a, when you adopt a very measured tone that is designed to de-escalate. Many of these very confrontational people don't know how to respond. So they'll either like ratchet up their attacks um you know, use lots of words for shock value and whatnot right. or yeah. or they just kind of slink back into the holes from once they came and that's why i see I see a lot of people on the left who you who like really they they and it's it's tempting, it's so tempting to constantly also you know match with the name calling. And and whatnot, but it never seems to it it just it doesn't solve anything. Right. Uh, and it doesn't mean don't be angry, but be angry in a way that is passionate and compassionate. And you you start to be able to have. A conversation and maybe it doesn't end the way you want it to, but you've at least like sort of dropped some seeds um, that that, you know, Maybe we'll sprout, maybe not. But uh, it's something. It's better than just yelling. God, I don't like. I don't know all of the all of the names that get tossed around. Like I've never understood why Snowflake is a is an insult. I'll never understand it. Um, but that you know, it's just dumb. It's dumb and childish, and we're all angry. But let's.
0: Yeah, know. it's you know, it's not it's not really new to me though. I mean, I can remember in the, the TV by the numbers days, one of the, one of the things Bill and I wound up talking a, a lot about was whether to turn off the comments on the cable news mm-hmm. posts. Cause they were just so oh, ugly. And finally we, we were like, we can't take this anymore. Uh, we just had, <laughs> on both sides, both sides were awful. And, uh, and so we cut those comments off, but, uh, the, the, you know, the terminology, libtard, neocon, all that stuff was yeah. around 10 years ago. And, and you know, I, I uh, if if you're on either side of the the spectrum, there, I'm not too interested in you. If, yeah. If that's your fighting strategy.
1: Yeah, it's just it's totally counterproductive. Um, all it does is make people matter, and for some people, that's the point. Right. Um,
0: yeah. For some, it's entertainment.
1: Yeah, and that's but like, man, we uh, we gotta we gotta dial that. Like, is that the only way we can feel things now? <laughs> is that is that you know by I, I i mean even at variety and like the whenever i would write anything about uh ratings when the current president appeared on television the comments oh, were yeah. just a cesspool um and it didn't matter what how balanced i was uh there were always you know fake news fake news it's like, Nielsen numbers aren't, fa- and they Nielsen is biased. I was like, no, it's a 40,000 home sample. Yeah, it's wow. bigger than all of your stupid polls.
0: Yeah, it's biased to measure what people actually do instead of yeah. what they say they do.
1: Yes, oh my God. Those, I actually, because I, I stopped writing about, because, you know, we live in a world where uh, content is, you you know, hashtag content is, is what you have to pump out on a daily basis. Right. And so in order to feed that beast, you would have to write up, you know, every dumb little, like I, there was one study, I, I think I actually did have to write it up about how, you know, X number or X percentage of people want to cut the cord. And it was a crazy, it was an absurdly high percentage. And
0: um Yeah, they just did another one, I think the same people, like seventy-four oh percent.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> and and maybe they want to, maybe that's true, but they're not going to unless you can unless you can, you know follow that up with behavioral uh research. I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna hear it. I don't wanna hear it. I don't want people to write because it, it only feeds the
0: fear mongers Um, well, I'm, you know, there are, there are those who are just rooting against the uh, TV industrial complex and, uh,
1: understand because they make it real easy to root against them. They really do.
0: (laughs) Okay. So you're, you're going to be doing Centerville USA through like at least the end of the year. How long do you see that going on?
1: I should be done by the end of January. Um, Florida is actually the last one I will do because the town that's the center of Florida is Brooksville, and they have a Civil War reenactment on like January twenty third. Um, nice. And so that's that's yeah. I try and I do. I try and look for events in these places and but there's only so much like I, I'm I'm I kind of lucked out in that the total eclipse uh that's happening on August twenty first. I will be in Jefferson City, Missouri, which is the center, and also the state capital. And also is in the path of totality. Um I will be there during that time. S-
0: solar eclipse?
1: Yes. Nice. Did I say did I say No 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 I, I okay. think you just
0: said eclipse.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, the the solar eclipse. I will be. It's it's funny how people wig out over eclipses. Like people in um, Prineville, Oregon, which is closest to the center. uh, There's a lot of ranchers around there, and they are making a killing selling um, access to their land during the eclipse because it's also in the path of totality. There were people making seven thousand dollars for four nights, uh, and it's not even. Four nights of a home it's you bring camping gear or a trailer
0: so so they're they're selling space to to just regular uh hobbyists not yeah. to uh people scientists looking to record the eclipse
1: correct i mean there may be some scientists in there um yeah. i'm sure i'm sure that's helping bid up the pricing but yeah
0: okay so have have you done any thinking about what you're going to do next february
1: <laughs> I have no idea. Um,
0: so I, you're saying there's a chance that you no, might. I,
1: I won't. I won't go back. I won't go back. Um, I do. I do still because you know, I have. I have a Patreon for this project, and like it. It certainly helps um, a lot uh, because people are very generous. So I have a lot of very rich friends that. Uh, I don't know if they just don't understand how even like $2 a month is valuable, but, uh, like, man, you own a VC firm and you can't sign up to be a, anyway, that's, that's me being bitter. Um, uh, I think you got, but, pretty, uh,
0: you got pretty good uptake on your uh, Patreon.
1: Yeah, it's really, it's really pretty good, but I also, but it doesn't cover everything. Uh, and so I do, I, you know, I freelance for my good old buddy, Michael Learmont at Vice
0: Lands. Yeah no not vice viceland News. vice vice, vice vice
1: yes not quite <laughs> I, was, I was in the I was in the office the other day they were like hey so here's where you know here's the viceland control room I was like ah okay
0: <laughs> I think the uh, I think uh, the studio for Diza somero is about as big as my uh, home office which is tiny
1: pretty much that's a great show I love those guys
0: well I love those guys for making my my Twitter feed a little bit more interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, so you're, you're, you're set on continuing this project, finishing it up, hopefully at the beginning of next year. Yeah. And then I think you don't know.
1: I'll, I'll probably turn it into a book. Um, I mean, that seems people seem to be advising me to do that. um, so, you know, that's a thing that I'll do. And I, I don't know. I have rediscovered how much I love doing reporting on uh, other topics. Like I, I did a story for Fast Company about how um, no one really knows what the effect uh, on the American economy will be of the skyrocketing amount of uh, student loan burdens that is being shouldered by baby boomers. Right. Um and, you know, that's, that's a, you know, let's, let's get mad, baby boomers. Join us, join us uh, in sort of agitating for some sort of change that is, you know, the exact opposite of what Betsy DeVos is doing. Um, you know, there's that. And oh, I was so, the Bloomberg had the same idea as I did about GoFundMe uh, and how, how much money these uh, crowdfunding Platforms are making off of basically our completely rotten social safety net um, and the totally backwards healthcare system we have. Uh, so right. They so, pe-
0: so people are using GoFundMe, GoFundMe, and the like as a insurance supplement.
1: Yes, and you know they make five percent. Uh, GoFundMe does plus a three percent payment price, so eight percent of your donation is not going to your French teacher's uh, lymphoma uh, treatment. <laughs> um, and it's the same if Facebook is now getting into that game. They allow personal fundraising and they take 7% of every donation. Um, and so you have these – It's it's.
0: Yeah, I think Patreon was around 8% too.
1: Yeah, Patreon is a lot. But, I, you know, Patreon isn't as bad because it's not people using it to – you know, help with illnesses. It's, it's a create, you know, you're right. establishing a relationship with creators and, and page it's, it's less, although their platform sucks. <laughs> it's, you mean it, as a uh,
0: publishing platform to pl- yeah, publish, yeah, writing. It's really,
1: and like, I know they're, they're geared towards visual, um, creators more so than, um, you know, right. Yeah. So I think that's part of the problem. Um, but, uh, I mean, I do love that it has enabled me to, to, you know, help fund this. That's great.
0: So while you're doing Centerville USA, um, like what percentage of your time is going to freelance journalism?
1: Hmm anywhere from 10 to 15%. I'm still fairly, like this last stretch of three centers I did is the most I've done in a row. I did three over like uh, a week and a half. Um, uh, and uh, so that, it was almost a trial of, of seeing what pace I can set for myself, uh, you know, so that I do have time to do, um, other stories or other, you know, you, you get offers to do like consulting for networks and, and stuff. So that sort of thing.
0: I, I cut you off on the uh, the GoFundMe uh, story and, and Bloomberg scooping you. I didn't let you rant about how bad that feels.
1: <laughs> yeah, that sucks. Um, I was so oh, I was so mad and they talked to all the people that I had lined up interviews with. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, and that actually, if I had not been doing Centerville stuff, I could have gotten that story done and filed much, you know, like a week or so before. Um, so that's, it's partly my own fault, but, uh, still well, sucks. yeah. And uh, you know, my my story would have been filled. The Bloomberg story was very good. I don't want like it was very good, but mine would have been a little more. Uh, the, there would have been some clear outrage in the These tone.
0: people are scum.
1: Yeah, they're well, they're profiting off of people's kids. Like that's crazy to me. Why are I, we okay with this? I, I thought just, I
0: thought Bloomberg did a, a decent job representing that.
1: They did. They did. But you know. I, uh, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'll I'll try. They,
0: they, they they can't rant like a freelancer.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's, you know, you still, you still have to, and I mean, I, I worked for business week. It was great. Um, back when it was just business week.
0: Okay. So let's wrap this up we'll go, we'll go back to ratings, even though you're not a TV ratings reporter anymore. I know you still look in. What bugs you the most about the current state of TV ratings reporting?
1: It's boring. Oh, my God. It's so boring. <laughs> well, even like, you know, when I was doing it, I was trying not to make it. But it's like it's true. it is boring. Everything everything is so well. And, you know, the, it, what exacerbates it is I there was not. It, it was rare for me to get a day where for me to have a day where I didn't have some network PR person calling me up being like, Hey, this is a little harsh, um, blah, 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 blah. Or, well, why didn't you mention blah, blah, blah. And then, like it actually, there was one, one network, uh, PR apparatus got so mad at me because I didn't sort of tow their, this was like my second week at variety. They, they got so mad at me that, uh, they not only called me like I have no problem with telling PR people like no I'm I'm doing my job. Uh, they they called me and said, well you know Deadline and the Hollywood Reporter didn't didn't say this <laughs> and I was so mad that I I said something that is not really but I was like I said that's because I'm doing my job, um, and, <laughs> which is a mean thing because the people at Deadline and Hollywood Reporter are very good at their jobs but. um but that then, you know, if they didn't get what they wanted from me, they would call my boss. And that makes, you know, so they like my second week, they were so incensed about some story that I had written that I had that had been up for hours. Um, and they they just got so incensed that they they went they went to my boss and uh, made things very uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. Variety it's- seems like a kind of kinda- a high pressure place to work because of the existing relationships, yep. legacy relationships.
1: It's very hard. And you know, it's, they're not afraid to, to hammer away, obviously, but God, it is, it's, it's a drag to deal with sometimes. And that was why I was like, why am I spending 13 hours of my day every day, catering to net, to giant corporations or, you know, fighting against giant corporations for a single line in a 300 word story that no one read anyway.
0: <laughs> well, you, you were very good at it. So <laughs> back, back to your, your pet peeves beyond not being fun. What grinds your gears?
1: Um, the, well, we've now, the networks have won in terms of getting people to talk about L7 and L infinity. L
0: 35 yeah. is that L
1: 35 is? is. And like, I get all the arguments. Don't get me wrong. It's a, it's uh, a, Oriana,
0: let me just interject yeah. L L seven is live plus seven days of DVR and, uh, L plus 35 is live plus 35 days DVR on demand streaming, whatever.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, it's totally, yes, people, that's, you know, important for a total picture of the audience for sure. But,
0: but it's not pay- a total picture of the audience anyway. You know, how many not, people yeah. watch Seinfeld last month?
1: Yeah. Oh, there are so, there are so many people, uh, in, in my life who go, oh my God, did you see this show on Netflix? And it's like a CW show or
0: 2008.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who is it someone a friend of mine her dad texted her and said um oh my gosh have you seen this show supernatural on netflix i just started (laughs) watching it this is like a month ago
0: that's he's got 10 years worth of stuff to binge (laughs) so he'll be happy (laughs) all right oriana thank you very much for uh for joining me today and i'll have you back on when you're on the book tour
1: yeah it sounds good thanks man
0: Thanks again to Oriana Schwint for joining me. Again, you can find her on Twitter at Schwinter, S-C-H-W-I-N-D-T-E-R. And you can find her Centerville USA work on a delayed basis on uh, medium.com backslash Centerville-USA or by becoming a patron on Patreon at uh, patreon.com backslash Centerville-USA, no space, no dash, no nothing. And uh, because I'm still not so good at the scheduling thing, I'm not exactly sure who the next podcast guest will be. But upcoming guests will include Sports Illustrated Media Critic Richard Deitch, Ben Cafardo from ESPN PR, John Orand and Austin Karp from the Sports Business Journal, advertising Age's Anthony Croupy, Fox Sports EVP of Research and Ratings Guru Michael Mulvihill, and ESPN's Jay Adande. I'm looking forward to it. Alexa, play the SI Media podcast with Richard Deitch. I couldn't find I. Media with Richard By Arch. <laughs>